my wonderful friends. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time Big Q&A. This is a show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God, faith, religion, and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. G'day friends, it's Will here in the studio. We want to thank you for joining our live Faith FM Drive Time Big Q&A show directly from our studios here in South Australia. Our theme for today and the rest of this week is a dummy's guide to prophecy. And uh, we don't mean to say that um, (laughs) in a joking manner to you, our faithful listener, but uh, that is the theme uh, for our our whole program, not just today, but with our rest of our team for the rest of this week. So our theme is A Dummy's Guide to Prophecy, and my guest in the studio with me here today is none other than Pastor Brenton Wilkinson, and um, Brenton has served for many years in here in South Australia, and he's a man of God, he loves God's Word, and he is the right man at the right time to be in the hot seat today. So Pastor Brenton, welcome to the studio today. <laughs> Thank you, Will. You know, Brenton... We did have a bit of a chuckle before we went on air we talking we about um, the actual title of our <laughs> yep. of our theme this week. And um, just to be open with our listeners, um, this is from the higher ups. We we just we're the messengers, so don't shoot the messengers. <laughs> no, don't shoot us. But you're probably aware, um, Brenton. Before we dive into our theme in a few moments. You know, the dummies guide is, it's basically, um, you know, take on those books. You know, you've seen those books in Office Works and on our, you know, in the bookstores. Yep. Um, dummies guide. And, um, yes. you know, the honest truth is when I've been through a bookstore and I don't know if it's me and my insecurity or whatever, but when I come across that book with that particular title, there's that part of me that doesn't want to pick it up because I'm almost, I'm almost agreeing with the, the title that I'm actually a dummy. <laughs> I, I understand what you're saying. Um, let me share something with you really quickly. Yeah. Um, back in the day when I was working in the government before I was in ministry, right. I can remember when we first started going over to computer programs. Now that's possibly something that you don't uh, relate to. We, we all got our own personal computer instead of having a computer for the section we all got our own personal computer in the government yeah and i remember sitting down and we were told you know press this button that's on and you know you, you used to have do you remember when they used to have the bouncing ball they used to call it the uh, bouncing ball uh, i'll have to and pass I, on that I, one i remember <laughs> saying to the guy who was the trainer i was saying how do you operate this thing and he said, follow the bouncing ball. <laughs> right. Now, what has that got to do with prophecy? Well, we're going to present a simple outline today on how to interpret prophecy. We're not going to go deeply into any of the prophecies. That's later in the week. Yep. But we're just going to give, I, I guess the term dummy, as you say, can be, some people might find it offensive. I think it's meant in a jovial manner. And yep. I think it's meant to indicate that the average Joe Blow listening to this radio tonight exactly. in their car as they travel home from work, wherever that happens to be, and they say to themselves, who can understand prophecy? I mean, uh, there are so many different interpretations. Which is the right one? Well, by the grace of God, I believe tonight we can give them some clues from God's word as to how to interpret yep. prophecy and how above all things to realize that all prophecy is about Jesus Christ. Yeah. All. Yeah. That's how revelation starts, the revelation of Jesus Christ. Amen to that. And so for our listeners, so if you're tuning in today, for wherever you may be tuning in, where you're driving in, in your car at this very present moment, or you're listening uh, to a recording of our live show today, 
Um, we want to thank you for tuning in today and to listen. And so, um, we're going to get into the topic in just uh, a little few moments. But um, before we do that, we'd just like to share a bit of a um, our World Watch segment that we call it, and just a little mm. bit of news, some Always interesting good. article that we've um, found or sourced online. And so, um, the article I'd like to share with our listeners today, um, Brenton, is the it's the title "An Evangelist's Top Ten Tips for Sharing the Good News." I'm all ears. All ears, because <laughs> you are an evangelist, you're a preacher oh, of yeah. the gospel. So some of these would uh, certainly be th- tools that you've used in your experience, um, Pastor Brennan. So the article is um, taken from um, eternitynews.com.au, and it's uh, written by an article by a lady named Ann Lim, and this was just back in uh, May earlier this year. So I read it. Uh, it says here, uh, Karen Morris reckons she can see, often see when someone wants to be a Christian. And she's quoted as saying, it's like it's tattooed on their forehead, says the former missionary and evangelism trainer based at St. Thomas's in Melbourne's Burwood. I don't think most people can tell, but it's obvious to me. What Karen is observing in people is a level of disquiet or, uh, disquiet or unsettledness that expresses itself sometimes in engagement and sometimes in pushing away the whole God question. Yes. Then she goes on to say, but I just keep engaging with it and talking about it and asking, do you want to keep talking about this? I think it's something about the way God wires evangelists. Karen didn't realize she had the gift of evangelism for the first 10 years after she became a Christian in year 12, but she was always passionate about telling people the good news that had saved her. She's quoted as saying, for me, the passion arises because I recognize that God saved me spiritually and physically. If he hadn't saved me when he did, then I would have committed suicide then or later. I still suffer, yeah, I still suffer from depression. So there was never much chance that I was going to survive on my own without God's help. When Karen moved from Tamworth to Sydney to go to uni, she knew no one. But that didn't stop her telling everybody the best news she'd ever heard. Jesus is how God fixes the mess, as she's quoted as saying. In the three years of her undergraduate degree, nine of her friends became Christians. She's quoted as saying, it was like gambling and winning on the first hand. I was hooked. I thought it was entirely normal and I couldn't see what everyone's problem with evangelism was, she says. Looking back, it's clear that God was doing something different in me that he gifted me as an evangelist. So I'll skip down to the 10 points she's got sure, here. Sure. And um, how about I do this, uh, Brendan? I'll give you the I'll give you the point and then you, you give me a quick response, okay? Yeah. So here's her first one out of her, her top 10. So here it is. Karen's top tips for everyday evangelism. Number one, work out why you love Jesus. She says, work out yourself why you love Jesus and talk about that. Because the more you can express that, the more it makes sense to the other person. What do you think, Brennan? Work out why you love Jesus. I'd agree with that. Yeah. And I think the answer to that for me is the peace and stability that comes from knowing Jesus. Amen. If you haven't got a a strong foundation, it's pointless being an evangelist. It's pointless trying to share with other people because they will soon pick up that you don't actually have a relationship with the Lord. It's all head knowledge. Exactly. But when they can see the stability that is in your life, it will mean something. Spot on. Let's go number two. She says, write down answers to common questions. She says, right back at the beginning when I was first a Christian, one of the things I would do was write down the point where I got stuck in a conversation, she says. Then when I had time to think, I would work out an answer, but it had to be written. What do you think about the second point? Writing down answers to common questions. Sounds a little bit like you're building a bit of a database, almost like how apologetics, you know, apologetics. Yes, yeah. Look, that could be helpful. Um, it's helpful in the sense that often the questions you will get 
uh, from people do have a certain similarity to them. Let's face it, in today's world, 2023, many people are uncertain. So what are we studying this week? Prophecy. Why are we studying prophecy? Because prophecy, rightly understood, gives you that stability. It gives you that ability to see into the future. It gives you that ability to say, yep, things are not going too well, but we know the end of the story. We know the outcome of the war. Yeah. Spot on. Let's go. Number three, she (laughs) says, um, learn what happens when we become a Christians, uh, when we become a Christian. She says here, one of the things I do with groups is to get them to look up a whole stack of passages that talk about what happens when we become a Christian. I think she's got some of these references yes, here yeah, about being yeah. justified and redeemed in God's grace. So the idea, um, Brennan, she's saying here is what actually happens to us when we actually take that step of faith and surrender to Christ and follow him. I think it's a good approach. I would caution, though, against giving a person too many texts. Okay. I've, I've done enough Bible studies in my time. I've studied with everyone from an indigenous people to other people and yeah. and uh, everything in between, people from other cultures, other nationalities. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. Not too many texts, but some key ones. Right. That they can focus yeah. on, that they can go away and think about. Yeah. So I would agree with her to a degree, but the word stack of texts worries me a little bit. Yeah, yeah. They need to know what is it that God is going to do for them. How is he going to do it and what's the outcome? Yeah. Awesome. We'll keep going. I'll probably rattle off the oh, rest no, in a keep, bunch keep and going. then um, you let me know which ones you, you, you like and uh, you comment on it. She goes on to say, uh, I think this is point four, practice a one-minute gospel diagram. Now, in this bit, she's got a bit of a, a graphic here of almost like a, if you were sitting in a restaurant with someone and you got the, the whole napkin thing. Um, so she talks about a uh, one-minute gospel diagram. Another uh, point here is go deep in a conversation spiral. And she right. says, Karen recommends this video. Now, there's a link to a video. We can't obviously share it sure. at this stage mm-hmm. about conversation spirals and how to have conversations that delve deeper. And I think the, the point there is there's a bit of a info there on how to, you know, go a bit deeper than when you're kind of trying to unpack and, yeah. you know, Push through the, you know, the the friendly chit chat. I, I, I agree with the going deeper. Can I suggest something to our listeners? And that yeah. is study study um, John chapter four, the woman at the well story. Right, that's perfect, the perfect. example of someone who went really deep. In forty verses, she comes to say, oh, twenty six verses. Verse twenty six, she says, "I know that when Messiah comes, he'll tell me everything." And Jesus says to her, I who speak to you he went, am he. He went right for it. <laughs> well, let me share a few more, Brennan. Um, she goes on to say, I'll just rattle these quickly. Don't censor your God language. She got, she's got a bit, yes. says a bit there. Um, don't be afraid to that. say that, yeah. um, you know, when you're talking about God and religion and faith, develop an evangelist. And the way she's worded the word evangelist is hyphenated with list. And the idea there yes. is a list yep. of people to pray for. Yeah. Uh, a couple more points here, Brennan. Find another word for sin. Interesting. She yeah. says here, my gospel explanation doesn't use the word sin because what I mean by sin and what the normal non-Christian means by sin are two different things. We are not helping the explanation if we're using language that we know they don't understand. Interesting. Good point. Um, if... 
what we're talking about in sharing the good news of the gospel is relational, probably not using the word sin would be the way to go initially, but ultimately as you get to study with people after a period of time, um, the Bible uses the term sin, but I would say probably another way you could describe it is broken relationship. Yeah. Dysfunctional relationship. Yeah, very good. They're words that yeah. people do understand, particularly the word dysfunctional. Yeah. <laughs> I was listening to a, a preacher, I mean, you know, not, not too long ago, and um, he used the phrase, um, and it was almost spot on to this point he was talking about. Yeah. And um, he, he used the term for sin as a violation of God's purpose. Oh, I like that. Uh, yeah, and I yeah. said, well, that sounds good. Oh, I haven't heard a phrase that, that way. Yeah, no, that, so people cool. can, you know, they resonate with the word violation and, and purpose. And so yeah. without them being religious, they yeah. they automatically know that something about this thing, thing called sin is not, not how God intended it to be. Yeah. Yeah. That's why the word dysfunctional is, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's a well-used word yeah. today. But, yeah, certainly um, I think uh, broken relationships yeah. are not yeah. a good one. That yep. our relationship with God is yeah. broken. Yeah. And so in some terms you've, and I think that's part of, um, when you're winning people and you're, you know, trying to, you're, you're trying to find common ground. Yes. And I, I, I remember, you know, listening to another presentation where, um, you know, for instance, um, he was sitting in a barber shop, you know, I forgot the exact context, but yes. Yes. you want to use language that the barber, you know, is used to, you know, yes. and, uh, so, and this, you're coming back to what you're saying, um, Brendan about Jesus. Um, that's why he used parables, right? Because he was able he to Maybe. connect with the fishermen. He was able to, you know, paint the picture to the, there was a shepherd. He lost, you know, one yeah. sheep, you know, yeah. so Jesus is the master when it comes to building bridges and connecting, right? Yeah. Almost yeah. back to your story in John four, you know, he used yep. the analogy of the water. He says, I've got water that yeah. you'll never thirst again. Whoever drinks yeah. of it. Yeah, that's true. It's interesting that going back to the, the word sin. Yeah. Um, the problem there is that many people in society today who are not Christians yeah. feel that they're as good as people who are Christians. A lot of yeah. <laughs> a lot of the way we think these days comes down to what I call situational ethics. You've heard right. the word situational ethics. Yeah, I've heard of that ethics. term, yeah. Um, that's why probably using sin from the get-go is probably not a good idea. A broken relationships, dysfunction. What, what was the other word that you were using? Um, violation of violation God's of purpose. Yeah. I like that very much. They're, they're terms that people are, can resonate with and you can work from there yeah. to ultimately show them, well, there is something that des- describes all of these yeah. anomalies or dysfunctions. That word is sin. Yeah. But you don't get to that the first time up. Yeah, that's right. But what they have to see is that all sin or all broken relationship is against a person. Correct. Sin is not just something you do. <laughs> sin is a is a relationship, a dysfunctional relationship that, that's brought a, brought about because the relationship with the person is shattered. Yeah. And the only way you can restore that is what Christ has done on the yeah. cross. Restore. Perfect. It. Hey, I'll just. Uh, Go to the last couple here. Um, so yeah. she goes on to right. say, um, be warm and keep engaging. Yes. Self-explanatory. Agree um, totally. Learn from your mistakes. So obviously when you're yeah. engaging, you, you know, <laughs> it's, a, it's a never-ending uh, 
cycle of <laughs> learning and, um, and re-engaging. And the last one she's got here is the back-to-front idea. Interesting. She says here, our last point, Brennan, Karen has a good answer for an argument that I find comes up a lot in conversations with people about Christianity, that all religions are pointing to the same God and are interchangeable. Okay, so she's oh, kind yes. of going in here. Karen sees it this way. Christianity is back-to-front. In Christianity, at the start, you're given salvation or you're given life in Christ and you live a good life in gratitude. She says, everybody thinks that doing good is to achieve heaven or to achieve relationship with God. All the other religion, Islam, Judaism, Hinduism, Buddhism, etc., work that way. So you are doing good to get heaven, paradise, nirvana, whatever. In Christianity, you're doing good in gratitude in contrast to doing good. Do you have eternal life? To impress somebody or achieve something. Yeah. And so, um, uh, it's a good way of looking at yeah, it. Yeah. Like the back to front idea. Back to front idea. Yeah. yeah. So to our listeners out there, and, um, that's part of our, our call as, as fellow Christians is to, um, share the good gospel, to share our faith and our story with those around us. And so I hope there's been a bit of a, um, um, an uplifting, um, some tips for you to, to, in your tool bag to use as you share with your friends and family and, um, we're all learning, we're all growing as it relates to this um, idea of sharing the good news. So, Brendan, we're going to have to switch gears. I want to promote our free book offer. We're going to go to a song in just a minute, and then we'll be it's back to um, jump into our, our theme today. So our free book offer today for you, our faithful listeners, it's a book that's um, right in line with our um, theme today, and um, the book is Decoding uh, Bible Prophecy. And so the book Decoding Bible Prophecy by Dr. Ron uh, Cluzet, he's a minister, he's a pastor, and he's passionate about evangelism. Um, it's about understanding what those Bible prophets said, especially regarding the books of Daniel Revelation. We're actually going to touch on a little bit of that today. But if, if this whets your appetite, you want to learn more about this, please text the code here in the studio, SA126, SA126 to 04888808. Double one. One more time, the free book offer, Decoding Bible Prophecy by Dr. Ron Cluzet. You need to text the code SA126 to 04888808811. Please don't go away. We'll be back in just a few moments. You listen to Faith FM Drive Time, big QA. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone, because I know he holds a future, and life is worth living just because he lives. God send his
is worth living just because he lives. You're back. It's uh, Will and Brenton here in the studio. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time BQ&A. And our topic for this week, A Dummy's Guide to Prophecy. And uh, <laughs> our team will be unpacking that theme uh, for the rest of the week here in our studio here in South Australia. But today, Brenton and I, we're actually looking at the particular question, what are the keys to Bible prophecy? And so in some ways, we're doing a bit of a general introduction to uh, the rest of our theme this week. And uh, we have an- another uh, book offer that we will promote um, just in, in a few minutes' time, if you've missed the first offer we just had before the song. So, Brenton, um, why don't you uh, start off the conversation, sure. this idea of uh, a dummy's guide, and just... Just so aware, we're not saying that you, our listeners, are dummies or anything of that nature. We're trying to make some complex, we want to make it as simple as simple we can. As and by the way, Brennan, can I just also say before you yeah. dive in, um, we'd love to hear from you, our listeners. If you want to text us where you're listening from, Give please us do feedback. us a favor. We'd love to hear where you're from. And even... If you may have even have a question, um, as Brenton is sharing, um, you want to fire off a text to us here in the studio, we'd be glad to uh, see if we can um, share your question. The number here in the studio, 04888-80811. We'd love to hear from you. So, Brendan, I'll pass the time to you. How, how can we all – sorry, the question is, what are the keys to Bible prophecy? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to mention four – but um, first of all, before I do that, you know me, Will, I'm a person who likes statistics. Yep. Now, <laughs> this is an interesting one that I found only today that I thought would be worth sharing with our listeners. According to this particular source, now don't quote me as being the gospel, but right. according to this source, there are 1,817 prophecies in the Bible. Wow. Another source I consulted said 2,500. But we'll stick with the 18. A lot. There's quite a lot. Yeah. In the <laughs> Old Testament, according to the first source, there were 1,239 prophecies, of which 353 were prophecies about Christ, about his birth, about his life, about his death, his resurrection, and his ascension. Right. In the New Testament, there were 578 prophecies. Now, here's the rub. We've called it a dummy's guide to prophecy. If you were writing a prophecy in 2023, I wonder how you'd go about it. Have you ever thought about that? How would you go about writing it? Well, you got me there, Reddit. I don't spend a whole lot of time. Would you say, for instance, okay, in 10 years' time, such and such is going to happen? Oh, okay, good job. 10 years' time, there's going to be a major earthquake. Australia's going to disappear off the map. And these are the things you should be looking for. Point right. one, point two, point three, point four, point ten. Okay. And people would read that and go, ah, so this guy reckons Australia's going to disappear off the map. Okay. And he's given ten points. Now that's the Western thinking. That's the Western way of yep. doing it. But Bible prophecy is different. Bible prophecy, particularly in both cases, both the New Testament and the Old Testament is primarily written by Jews. Okay. And there is a structure called a chiastic structure. Now, we promised what that this is a, would, a chiastic structure <laughs> means you get the big picture first and then you fill in the details. All right. That's how the book of Daniel is written. Right. In Daniel 2, uh, which we have presented on this uh, program before, um, 
you get the history of the world from the time of Babylon down till the time that the rock, symbolising Christ, comes along and smashes the image and fills the whole earth. Correct. But the rest of the book of Daniel is filling in the details. Correct. The best of the book of Revelation fills in the details. I don't know whether I can make it any more simple. In other words, they operate in with a different mindset from the way Western thinking is. Sit down, I'll give you ten points. No, here's the big picture. And then we start filling the right. details in as we go along. Anyway, the first point that I had in my notes here is understand the symbols. Oh, the All right. symbols. What symbols are we going on? No, about? we're not talking about the mark of the beast. Sorry, guys. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's take some examples. Beasts. What do beasts represent in prophecy? Well, beasts represent kingdoms. Why do you, why did God in use symbols like that in prophecy. If you go to Daniel chapter 7, Daniel 7 says that beasts represent kingdoms. Right. So you might say, why do that? Well, I want you to think about this. Even today in our society, people remember empires or um, political countries by Things like Russia. Right. What's the symbol for Russia? The bear. What's the symbol for USA? The bald eagle. What's the symbol for Australia? National. The kangaroo, kangaroo and yep. the emu. Yep. What's the symbol for South Africa? Springboks. What's the symbol for New Zealand? They're known as the Kiwis. And so it goes. What's the symbol for England? St. George Dragon. <laughs> so on and so, so forth. So we live in a culture where we yeah. there's already this happening in the secular yeah, world. Yeah, right. so this, this culture, um, the reason God uses these things, Amos 3, 7 is an interesting text that you know as well as I. Right. It says, surely the Lord God will do nothing unless he reveals his secrets to his servants, the prophets. Now, what is what is the use, if I can put it this way for our listeners, what is the use of God... Um, giving prophecies to the prophets and then the the prophets give them to us and we say, hang on, guys, we've got no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> if God reveals secrets to prophets, it's for the purpose that the prophets who are passing it on are giving it in a manner and in a way that should be understandable, even if you can't pick it up straight away by just reading it and going, yep. oh, yeah, that means that <laughs> you should be able to pick it up by using the Bible to interpret the Bible. Yep. So, so, under, so, so understanding the symbols, uh, Brendan, is very important. Well, it is yep. because then it opens up when you start looking at prophecies. For instance, in prophecies relate where a woman is used, yep. particularly in the New Testament. What does a woman symbolize right. in prophecy? A church. Right. In Revelation chapter 12, the woman there is symbolized by a woman clothed with the sun, right. with the moon under her feet. What does that represent? It represents a pure church. Right. In Revelation 17, you have another woman riding on a beast, dressed in purple and scarlet, right. with all gold clangers around her neck and yes. ears and all the rest of it. And what's written on her forehead? Mystery, Babylon the Great, mother of harlots and the kings of the earth. A corrupt church. Right. <laughs> So for so the, the listener Bible out there, interprets yeah. itself to a degree in, in things like that. And before we move to the next point there, sure. I think it's important that you said just a few minutes ago, um, Brenton, 
is that the Bible actually interprets um, these symbols. So um, you mentioned in Revelation there's a woman, there's a beast, there's a dragon, etc. So understanding the symbols is important and also allowing, I guess, Scripture to interpret these particular symbols. So, okay, that's a great introduction. Okay, so for our listeners out there, they're picking up a book for the very first time, a prophetic book, for instance, Daniel, Maybe they've never Revelation, they can get really lost in and go, what on earth is this talking about? Yes. And so what you're saying is, hey, don't have a panic attack. It can be understood. Once you have the keys, you can. the unlock keys them. will unlock these, these codes, these unlock. symbols. All right, and awesome. That leads us to the second point. All right. The second point is pray for spiritual enlightenment. Okay. Did that ever happen? Yes, it did. Let me share with you, Daniel, um, because the, one of the best-known prophecies in the Bible, we've alluded to it, was Daniel chapter 2. What does Daniel actually say? Yeah. Um, because of time, I'm going to have to probably quote some of these. I thank you, it says in verse 23 of chapter 2, and praise you, O God of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and might and have now made known to me what we asked of you, for you have made known to us the king's demand. In other words, what the king dreamed, Lord, you've given me the dream, Right. but that's only half of the picture. The other half of the picture is what does the dream mean? You've both given me the dream and also the interpretation. And then again in chapter 7, he says pretty much the same thing. Uh, he prays for guidance. And in chapter 9, he's, he's struggling in verse 1 to think of the prophecy that was in Daniel chapter 8. And you and I mentioned this off of air. Uh, for those who perhaps don't know much about prophecy, God doesn't always answer prophecy next day. <laughs> you yeah, get a vision and all a of a sudden the next day you got the answer. God's view of time is very different to ours. The difference between Daniel 8 and Daniel 9 is about nine years. Can you imagine waiting nine years when this is a prophecy that you believe affects your people, the yeah. reconstruction of your temple in Jerusalem, and you've got to wait nine years for an answer? Right. <laughs> um, so prayer that, is important, Brennan. Yes, prayer is. In Daniel 9, 1, he's praying and saying, I've read the prophecy of Jeremiah where Jeremiah said that Israel would be in captivity for 70 years. Um, that time's nearly up, Lord. Right. What's happening? But in 22, after his prayer, <coughs> along comes um, Gabriel. Gives him the answer, yeah. Gabriel gives him the answer. I've been sent to give you wisdom and understanding so you can understand it. So prayer is uh, another... Key, if you will, to understanding prophecy. A very yeah. important key. I think there's a text as well in, um, I believe it's in First Corinthians chapter two, where the Bible says in verse fourteen, uh, spiritual things are spiritually discerned. Yes, that's a very good text. Yeah. Mm. And I think it's important to know that if one is to open the Bible, which claims to be a word from God, inspired by God. As it says in, I think it's Second Timothy, the third chapter. Yes. Then one would logically assume to pray that the God of the Scriptures would open our minds to understand mm -hmm. um, what it is that we're trying to read. So here was what I'm saying, Brendan. So far, what we're up to, you're saying we need to understand the symbols because prof prophecy has very um, some it's, very it's deep generally prophetic written in prophet. Yeah, uh, prophecy and, is generally written in symbolic terms. Yeah. Yep. And so now you're saying the second point there is um, pray to pray, for, pray for spiritual pray for guidance, enlightenment, because you can read it, 
um, let's say I'm a dummy, so to speak, and I yeah. pick up the Bible for the first time, I turn to Daniel chapter 7 and I start reading about four beasts and I'm going, hello, what's going yeah. on here? Who do these represent? Yeah. Okay. I don't have the tools at that stage to cross-reference right. <laughs> and go and find what the answer is. But if I keep reading that chapter, it'll tell me right. the four beasts represent four kingdoms yeah. or four kings. I'm also reminded as well, John uh, Brenton, before we keep going, you know, there's that text where John uh, Jesus says in the Gospel of John that the Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth. Yes. So I think part Absolutely. of that prayer is allowing the Holy Spirit to guide us. And also as, as a person who, let's say for a listener out there that, you know, all this stuff is very, very new to us, um, not really understanding a whole lot of the Bible. And uh, we would like to say to you, hey, that's okay, because... That is the perfect place to be, to walk into this it's a willing to learn to and willing the to... The willingness to learn. The willi- the, in other words, approaching it with an open mind, yeah. I believe, is the secret. If yeah. you approach approach the Bible with a closed mind or you approach the Bible simply to reinforce your preconceived ideas, you're probably not going to benefit yeah. much Yeah, because you can just about make the Bible say anything it likes yeah. if you don't use it properly. Correct. And what we're saying is spiritual things are spiritual spiritually discerned, as you touched on. And the second thing is the Bible interprets the Bible. And if you can't find that out, pray about it, yeah. and the Holy Spirit will give you texts. It will give you places to go where you can get the answer to what you read that you don't understand. Yeah. Praise God. Um, loving this conversation. Um, keep keep going because we've we've got a few minutes before we head out to our break. Um, what about this idea? As um, this idea is, I've, I've read somewhere about prophecies being some like like a signpost. Yeah. Have you heard of that idea? Yes. That- yes. I, I rather like that. And let me give you an example from scripture. Right. Now, when Christ came to this earth, you'll find in the book of Mark he said uh-huh. at one stage. Um, I'm going to refer to Matthew in a second. Okay. But in the book of Mark, I think it is, he says in chapter 1 and about verse 15, to the people who came to hear him, the time is fulfilled. Yeah. What time is he talking about? He's talking about Daniel chapter 9. And if they were clued in and switched on, they would have known that that's what he's talking about. But in chapter 24, his disciples come along to him because he tells them, he says, <coughs> see these buildings? Right. The Jewish temple? that at that stage had taken 46 years to build? Yeah. I've been to Jerusalem. I've been to the Wailing Wall. Right. I've seen some of these stones. Some of the stones are 20 metres long. Wow. Can you imagine putting, yeah. putting them in place? And he's saying to them, see all these buildings, guys? Yeah, yeah. Well, not one stone's going to be left upon another. Yeah. They're all going to be thrown down. Destroyed. It, it would literally blow their mind. <laughs> and yet... He says to them in verse 15, Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation of spoken of by Daniel the prophet, you, now you and I both know that whole books have been written on the subject of what the abomination of desolation is. Right. But here, Jesus is actually saying, let me just share what Scripture says, by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place in brackets, whoever reads, let, let him, him understand. understand. Yep. So here's an example of it's a signpost. When you see these things happen, don't stress. I've predicted it. Yeah. Well in advance. And it also, t- and I guess to your point as well, Brandon, when, for instance, you mentioned uh, Matthew 24, when 
which we understand to interpret um, the destruction of Jerusalem, I think, AD 70, I think the yes, date is. Yeah, yeah. So in some ways, Basically, when we look at prophecy... dealing with that. Yeah. Mm. So prophecy in some ways is suggesting is um, gives us a bit of a marker where we are. Yes. And kind of, yeah. okay, if we see uh, prophecy A being predicted in the Scriptures, we see its fulfillment, it gives us a bit of context um, to where we are in scope yes. of... Um, yeah. Kind of coming back like what you said just a few moments earlier about Daniel too, you know the the big uh, the, the the image big that image. Daniel had dreamed. In this case, made well, Nebuchadnezzar of metal. had dreamed. Yeah, and made of metal because Babylon was the golden kingdom. Right. Any time you look at anything to do with Babylon, gold is everywhere. Yep. It was the golden mm. kingdom, but it's represented by a lion. I was only looking this afternoon before I came along to the studio with you. <laughs> I'm looking at the motifs. On the walls of ancient Babylon right. that they've rebuilt, they're covered in lines. Wow. That's Pretty. why God uses symbols, guys, yeah. <laughs> that people understood. Mm. Would What would be the point of Jesus giving Daniel, uh, not Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar, a vision of the heavenly sanctuary? He would go, what? What did he give him a vision of? An image. Yeah. Does he understand images? Yes, yeah. they worshipped images. Right. <laughs> Does wow. that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> so so I'm hearing just sort of um, filling you in a bit. Yeah. <clears throat> so we, we're, what we're saying is, um, look for um, understand the symbols, pray for spiritual, I guess, enlightenment, or pray that the Lord will but open see our hearts these to see these as markers, or as you say, signs along the way. Just yep. like when you travel from here to Sydney, you see various signs saying. I think Sydney. you can share one more, yeah. Brendan, before we go to our break. What's the um, after the uh, the signpost um, uh, key. Well, I've touched on it briefly, but one of them is to allow the um, oh the Bible to interpret. Right. Itself. Okay. We we kind that of said the, that. But that is the fir- the fourth point. Yeah. And the reference there that I can use before we go to a break is one that I have mentioned to you. Okay. But I'll actually read it. I think we've got enough time to sure. Read it. Go ahead. It just says this. <clears throat> so in chapter 7 of Daniel, which is yet another vision that Daniel had, remember Daniel 7 and Daniel 2. What did I tell you off air? Commentators have suggested there is a gap of 50 years wow. between Daniel 2 and Daniel 7. Not 15 or 5. 50. Wow. Daniel's gone from being a young guy, 17, 18 years of age, to probably my age. Wow. Before he gets the answer. Yeah. Or before he gets the next vision. Okay. <clears throat> what does he say in chapter 7 and verse 17? It says this. Those great beasts, which are four, are four kings, which arise out of the earth. What did chapter 7 begin with? He sees a vision of beasts rising. Right. So... And then in verse 23, it says pretty much the same thing. It says, The fourth beast shall be a fourth kingdom on earth, which shall be different from all the other kingdoms, and shall devour the whole earth, trample it, and break it in pieces. So when we say, let the Bible interpret the Bible, another way of looking at it <coughs> that would be helpful, there are some topics in Christianity where there do- doesn't appear to be a lot of text to support them. Yeah. You have to work on, use, ask God to guide you in finding all the texts that appear to relate to a particular topic. Right. 
and then ask him for guidance. Ask the Holy Spirit to guide you as to how you should understand that. Awesome. Hey, Brenton, I'm loving this uh, conversation about um, understanding prophecy. Um, hey, we're going to have to go to a break. We want to promote our book offer one more time in our live show today. If you are... If this type of conversation is something that you're really keen in, you want to learn more, our free book offer today is called Decoding Bible Prophecy by Dr. Ron Cluzet. The book is about understanding what these prophets said, particularly the books of Daniel and Revelation. It's about knowing how to read those prophecies and make sense of some difficult passages in the Bible. Please, if you'd like a free copy, why don't you text us in the studio? The code is SA126, SA126. You need to text that number 04888-80811, and uh, we'll get that book out to you as soon as we can. Um, so that is our free gift from us to you. So we'll go to a break, and we'll be back in just a moment as we wrap up our show today um, here on Faith FM Drive Time, uh, big Q&A. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds a future and life is worth the
is worth living just because he lives. You're back. Listen to Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A. It is Will and Brenton in the studio today. Our topic for the whole week, a dummy's guide to prophecy. But today, Brendan and I are looking at the actual question, what are the keys to Bible prophecy? So, Brendan, before the break, you were unpacking some um, keys, talking about um, understanding symbols, looking at the context of uh, Scripture, interpreting Scripture. Um, in the remaining minutes that we have, I think you've got a few other tools to help our listeners out there today. There's a couple of others that we can sort of share with sure. people. One of the things that you come across in prophecy is is sometimes the symbol of Water, right, or sea. Now, I'm looking at Revelation 17, verse 15, where it says, um, <clears throat> Then he said to me, The waters which you saw where the harlot sits are peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. In other words, sea or water in prophecy represents people. Right. Usually sea represents a lot of people. When you get to Revelation 13 and it talks about a beast coming up out of the land, it's talking about a an area of the world that is sparsely populated right. as opposed to sea, which is a portion of the world or the globe that is heavily populated, So, if, so, if that makes yeah. sense. <laughs> so what you're doing is, Brandon, you're, you're actually practically um, unpacking some of these I guess some examples they're, of they're key of, of symbols, symbols of prophecy, how to use them. Yeah. So when you read in a in a prophecy about someone <laughs> a beast sitting on waters, no, it hasn't learned to swim. <laughs> yeah, it's it's representing a power, either a political or religious or a religio political power yep. that has control over a vast quantity of people. So in other so words, Brendan, it's not way of looking when at. we're reading um, these very deeply. Prophetic books, for example, book of Revelation. Yeah, we're seeing a beast. We're not saying you're looking for a real beast walking no, around or the planet. Real water. Yeah, mm. this this is deeply symbolic language. Okay, it is indeed. So, you, so you've talked about water that represents, I guess, sea. Uh, sorry, <laughs> no, water represents sea. Well, water no, represents yeah. people. It represents people. Yeah, right. There is another one, and this is a very important principle for those who are listening tonight. Yeah. We believe <coughs> that the year for a day principle is vitally important in understanding prophecy. It's called the historicist method of biblical interpretation. I'm trying to keep this simple. so. Right. But <coughs> what it means is that we believe uh, Ezekiel 4.6 tells us that a day represents a year. Numbers 14.34 says the same. People can look these up for themselves. Right. Um, rather than pin the tail on the donkey, so to speak, take any, for example, the prophecy of Daniel chapter 9. It only makes sense. This is about the Messiah coming. It only makes sense if the 70 weeks represent 70 by 7, 490 years. 70 weeks is barely a year. It's a year and about three months. Right. So Daniel listening to this as it's being beamed down to him or whatever method God used to get it through to him, he would have said to himself, well, what good is 70 weeks? But when understood as 490 years and the angel tells him that this prophecy concerns your people, they have 490 years more of prob probation, so to speak, 
he would then get more excited because he would understand that it the prophecy refers to the distant future. How do we know that? Because in Daniel 12, it actually says right at the end, you will go to your rest. In other words, you will die. Right. You will pass away. But at the end of time, when the Lord returns, you'll rise to receive your inheritance. Okay. In other words, don't stress it, Daniel. You may not understand everything that we've studied or that I've given you. A lot of these things are going to take place long after you've passed off the scene. But the difference between that and what we understand today, we are that much closer to Christ's return. Right. And what particularly the book of Revelation tells us that we really are right at the end of time. Right. And I think another example of that day for year principle um, that you mentioned, um, going yeah, back to I only used one yeah, example. Uh, my mind thought, thought of Brendan as the one you're aware, well aware of is you know in Revelation chapter twelve. Just a quick example. Yeah, that's a good we talk one. about the woman, um, the dragon persecuting the woman, the woman meaning the church. And in chapter twelve of Revelation verse six, it says that the woman fled into the wilderness and she was taken care for uh, by God for twelve hundred and sixty days. So just to kind of let our listeners know, um, when you're reading that, for instance, in the book of Revelation, um, you know, if you apply this key of day for year, we understand that to mean it not 1260 days. days, but actually 1260 years. I agree because, um, a, a 1260 day period of persecution is barely three years. Right. Now, you don't have to be real smart to get a history book and study the persecution of Christians down through the Dark Ages to know that it lasted a lot longer than three years and a couple of months. Yeah. So therefore, it must refer to a 1260-year period of oppression by the recognized church of the day against those who wanted to remain yeah. faithful to God. And you know, Brennan, because um, we've got a, <laughs> a, a few minutes to go, I mean, Kind of shifting to the more, I guess, personal, I guess, uh, as you and I are sitting here in the studio, I know, um, you know, my journey, I'd come into the church, um, joining the Seventh-day Adventist church, you know, in my early 20s. And um, the things that we're saying on, on air today um, sounds very theoretical in some ways. But, you know, for me, I remember Brennan um, listening to a presenter speak on these topics yes. and seeing these things for the first time, this woman, this dragon. And, yes. you know, for so, and this is something that's close to my heart, Brennan, because, you know, unfortunately in some circles um, within Christianity and even within our faith group, there is almost a sense in which... Um, I've been got to be careful what I say, but not that I'm pointing fingers at anybody, but there are some who are not as passionate about this, this, this yes. part of, uh, yeah. of the Bible. And I don't know about that's their perspective, their story, but for me and countless others, um, this is what really kind of opened up this, this idea of God and what he's doing. I like what you're saying, Will. It's, it's interesting and it's a bit sad that some yeah. people say, ah, prophecy, you can't understand prophecy. There's so many different Yeah, I, you hear that quite a lot, don't you? Hello? Why did God give us prophecy in the first place if he did not intend yeah. us to understand it? Why did he say, surely the Lord God will do nothing except he reveals yep. his secrets to his servants, the prophets? Prophecy is meant to confirm or create a faith in God. We've got to be careful of one thing. Prophecy won't save us. Right. 
Remember, Jesus said in John chapter 5, you probably remember the text, you search the scriptures talking to the Sanhedrin because in them you think you have eternal life. Now, these guys, they knew whole portions of the Old Testament. (laughs) Sure did, yeah. He said, but they are they which testify of me, and yet you won't come to me to have life. Yeah. So we've got to always understand prophecy, even for dummies. <laughs> yeah. We have to understand prophecy in the light of it's revealing Jesus Christ. It's revealing the future, yeah. yes, but it's also revealing the fact that the war is won. Christ is going to come back and he's going to take his people with him. And prophecy points to all of those yeah. things happening. So we need to put our focus on Jesus, not just on being able to interpret prophecy. Yeah. Hey, Brendan, and, you know, just as you were saying that, I was thinking um, that's how the opening words begin in that book of Revelation, the revelation of Jesus. And so, yes, that's you know, how it begins. That's the whole purpose of Revelation, really, is yeah. to, to point and uplift the, the person working of Jesus and his saving work. Hey, Brendan, can I just give, just give me a few seconds because we've got a few minutes to go in our program today. I just want to alert our listeners uh, to some of the topics that are going to be um, shared in, in the coming days. And um, the book. And the book. And the book. The, bo- uh, the, the topics is um, what are the keys to Bible prophecy? That's what we look at today. Uh, tomorrow, Marty and Gary are going to look at does prophecy um, really unfold the future? Um, talk, we're going to be talking this week, uh, a couple of our presenters talking about prophecy in human nature. Has anything changed? Um, Towards the end of the week, does God care for bad things? That'll be an interesting year. Yeah, not bad things, sorry, bad yeah. kings. <laughs> and the last one there on, um, at the end of the week, Babylon Falls, what does it say to us? So that's a bit of a preview into what our presenters are going to be unpacking for the rest of this week. Hey, Brenton, we're going to go in just a couple of minutes, but I just want to give you the opportunity. If there is someone listening today mm-hmm. on our Drive Time yes. show today, yes. and you've piqued their interest a little bit about prophecy, perhaps they're Christians and maybe been Christians for many years and um, never really had a serious study at some of these prophetic books that we're mentioning, or someone on the other end of the spectrum just has absolutely mm-hmm. no background, yeah. what would you say to them today to encourage them to really dig into this this idea of searching uh, Bible prophecy. What would you say to that person listening today? Well, I have a text here in Second Peter chapter 1 <coughs> that I thought was interesting, verse 21. Actually, I'm going to start at verse 19. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place. Until the day dawns, and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first, and that's it. this is important for our listeners, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Those three verses are key, I think, to finishing our study today. Prophecy is given for a reason for us to know Jesus, to know what the future holds, all of topics which we're going to discuss during this week. The key principles of prophecy we have expounded this afternoon, understanding the symbols, understanding what thing, things mean, asking most of all, and I can't stress this enough, asking for the Holy Spirit's guidance when you read things that you can't understand, which you will do, which I do and which you probably do. I read portions of Scripture today and I say to myself, what in the name of fortune is he trying to say? Yeah. 
you you need to pray about those yeah. things with a humble, teachable spirit. Yeah. And any of our listeners can do that. They can open the Word of God and say, Lord, I really do want to understand prophecy. I want to understand what you have in this for me. Please open my mind to what you have for me. Great. Hey, Brendan, we're going to have to pause there. I want to thank you, Brendan, for being in the studio with me today and unpacking that for our listeners today. Hey, uh, just one final heads up. Tomorrow we have uh, Marty and Gary. They'll be looking at the topic, uh, the question, does prophecy reliably unfold the future? So I guarantee if you tune in tomorrow, you know, you'll be super one. blessed. And so our time's up here today in the studio. Please join uh, Gary and Marty tomorrow as they unpack uh, tomorrow's questions. Until then, I want to leave you with the words of Jesus as he said in John 14 and 29. He said, I've told you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe. May God richly bless you and we'll hope to see you next time.